Glad you're here with us this morning. We're in week number two of this series. This is a great, great series. Um, As I grew up, I was a part of traditional church. Um, Nothing wrong with traditional church at all. That's my history. That's those are my roots. Even when I served, I have been now in ministry almost 30 years. I've been doing this a long time, and most of those years were spent in traditional church. But here. Here's kind of what happened for me. I began to look around, and over the years, I began to notice that there were no new people. And I'm not talking about someone coming from another church into our church. I'm saying there were no people coming from the community of people not involved in a church into our church. And that began to really concern me because I was saying we were not making an impact. We're not making a difference. I I began thinking, we've got to do something different to make some changes so that somehow we can help people find their way to God. Maybe at some point for you, maybe there was something as you were growing up that happened and it just repulsed you. When you thought of church, maybe you pushed back, maybe you even walked away at one point, you you resisted. There was something about it that became, about church that became resistible to you. If we were to kind of boil everything away and kind of say, here's what church is about, I think we could come to this statement. At our core, not just here, the church in general, at our core, we are about loving God, loving others, and we take it as far to say that we're even about loving our enemies. Now, I ask the question, what? What is repulsive about that? And the answer is nothing. Nothing. So just perhaps some of the things that that you have found repulsive, that you have pushed back from about church... Maybe those are some of the very things that the church should push back from as well. Now that's what we said last week. That's what we talked about last week. We also said that there's a model for religion. And it goes back as far as history, as far as you can trace it in history. So this is not just the Israelites or the Jewish people. And that... Even though it fits this model, that is a religion that God set up himself. It goes back much further than the Jewish people or the Israelites. This is called the temple model. Andy Stanley kind of describes it. He says this model has four parts. He says every temple model has a sacred place. It has kind of a a temple or a worship area, a holy place, a sanctuary, some kind of sacred ground. Every one of them has a sacred place. And then they also have high holy leaders. Usually they're men, and they hold the power of information, in some cases the power of curses, the power of blessings, and in, in some beliefs they even hold the power of sending someone to an eternal destination, heaven or hell. So we have a sacred place, there's these high holy leaders, and then there's also sacred texts. Um, They could be writings or emblems of some sort, some kind of oracle. But they are interpreted by the high holy leaders. And then the last part of this is the dedicated followers. And they listen to the high holy leaders and their interpretation of the sacred text from the sacred places. And they follow them. But God did something amazing. 
So God shows up here on earth. He came here, lived here as Jesus, and he died on the cross. Three days later, he walks out of the tomb. And if that were not amazing enough, he does this. He ended the temple model. And not just for the Jews, the Israelites. He ended the temple model for every person, every religion, everywhere. And if you missed last week, we talked about that. You can catch it on Facebook. You can catch it on SoundCloud. Please catch that. Jesus ended the temple model. He said, no more sacred places. You did not have to go to a special place to connect with God. You know why? Because he said, now you, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are the sacred place. He said, no more high holy people. No more does someone have to go and talk to God on your behalf. He said, now you and the whole world can go directly to God yourself. And Jesus even changed the meaning of the sacred text. Here's what he said. He said, I didn't come to do away with that. I didn't come to do away with all that. He said, I came to fulfill the law, fulfill what the prophets had said. And Jesus is saying this, everything written in the Old Testament, he said, it is pointing toward me, Jesus was saying. So Jesus changed everything. He changed everything for everyone, everywhere, when Jesus started something new, the Jesus movement. These gatherings of people in every community, every town, every city, every countryside, these gatherings of people called the church. You see, the church is not a building. The church, it's the people. It's the gathering of people. Jesus said, no more temple model. Now, it was from that time that Jesus started this Jesus movement, something completely different. It wasn't the temple model that was kind of upgraded or updated. There were no parts now that were really the same. This was not the temple model reinvented. Jesus did away with it. And he started something completely different. And it worked really well for about 300 years. 300 years after Jesus walked out of that tomb and started this thing called the church, this gathering of people, it went really well. It went the way he had designed it. But then something happened after about 300 years. People started to kind of pick up parts of the temple model and begin to mix it in with the Jesus movement and things began to go wrong. They began to go wrong in the Jesus movement. This thing called the church, this gathering of Jesus followers. You see, it became a blend of following Jesus and a blend of these new sacred places. It became a blend of, of following Jesus and, and, and a blend of high holy men who were controlling the followers. They interpreted the scriptures and they pointed and directed from these sacred places. It became a blend of the temple model and the Jesus movement. But you see, Jesus did away with the temple model, but men picked it back up and added little pieces of it at a time. And it became a mixture that Jesus never intended. In fact, last week we said that the parts of church that you resist, that you push back from, those things that for you, when you weren't in the church, that were repulsive to you, were probably parts of the temple model that were creeping their way back in. And perhaps maybe we the church should be resisting that as well. Not just by the person who is repulsed by it, but maybe the church itself should push back from those things. And this is the battle 
that was going on in this New Testament time. And it was a battle that ultimately the Apostle Paul, they helped win this battle. But we lost it about 300 years later. Today we're going to look at how Paul reacted when he found out this was happening in one of the churches he started. We're going to see his reaction. It's pretty intense. Because Paul is upset because they are beginning to dilute, they're beginning to ruin, they're beginning to divert the Jesus movement. And Paul said, no, 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 not while I'm alive, this is not going to happen. So let me set the scene for you, where we're going and what's happening as Paul has this discussion with these people. So Paul had started this new gathering of people called the church. He started this new gathering of people following Jesus. They were not following Jesus. Paul shares the gospel with them. They start following Jesus. He gets them started. And then Paul goes to another city, another place. And he begins starting churches over there. And so he has left this church to study, to reach other people. To, and, here, and so he finds out, though, that there has been a group of people that followed him. So as Paul left, this other group moved in, and they were like picking up where Paul left off, so to speak. But they were making changes. So... Paul gets a little upset, not because things are changing, but because what is changing. So this group comes in behind Paul, and they start saying this. You know, you're a follower of Jesus. Paul got you started. He didn't tell you the whole thing, though, they're saying to these people. He got you started. You're following Jesus, but you have to follow the temple model as well. So yes, yes, follow Jesus, but you have to add to that this rich heritage of the Israelites. This Jewish people, this nation, you have to add these things as well to, to what you're doing. And precisely in this moment, what they are saying is, these teachers came behind Paul and they were saying, listen, you follow Jesus, you also have to be circumcised. Now, not a big deal. Unless you're a guy. Then it's a bigger deal. They're saying if you're going to follow Jesus, Jesus, your Messiah, Jesus was a Jew. He's a Jew. Jesus followed the law. Jesus was circumcised. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to follow the law as well as Jesus did. And you have to go be circumcised. So listen, fellas. Jesus died for your sins. You can have a little snippety snip for him. Not a big deal. And as we think about that, we're like, okay, you guys have it wrong. But think with me for a moment. I mean, they're coming from thousands of years of Jewish heritage. The traditions. And man, is it hard to leave traditions behind. It's difficult. And not only that, I mean, to these people, they're thinking, listen, this is our heritage. This is what God got us started, the journey he put us on. It would be sacrilegious for us to leave this behind and walk away from it and just do this Jesus movement thing. How can we leave our heritage, our culture behind? So it's understandable why they would think that. But Paul knew better. Paul knew better. Paul knew what was at the end of that road if they began to blend these two things together. And so Paul, he gets angry because he sees that they're ruining what Jesus started, that they are corrupting what Jesus started. So Paul sits down from where he is in this other town and he writes a letter and he sends this letter to this gathering at this town where he had started that church in Galatia. And he is trying to expel the temple model from that church, from the Jesus movement before it's too late. And so in this letter, Paul has just said to the people, he said, you are no longer enslaved, trapped by the temple model. No longer. He said, Jesus ended the, the temple model with the Jesus movement. You're not enslaved by the Jewish law anymore. 
And this is now where we pick it up. He's just told them that. And now Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Here's where we go. So Christ, Paul says, you're not enslaved anymore. So Christ has truly set us free. Now, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying don't pick up old parts of the temple model and try to blend them together with this thing that Jesus started, this gathering of Jesus' followers. It's called the church. He said you cannot follow Jesus. You can't submit to Jesus and at the same time submit to the Old Testament law. And to, to them they're thinking, yes, we can. And Paul is saying, no, you cannot submit to Jesus and submit to the law. He said, because one is freedom. Submitting to Jesus, he said, is freedom. But submitting to the law is slavery. You cannot be both free and a slave at the same time. Paul is saying, your version of following Jesus, if it does not bring you freedom, you're probably not doing it right. And that applies to us today, 2,000 years later. Listen to that statement again for us today. If your version of following Jesus does not bring you freedom, you are probably doing it wrong. And then verse 2, he says this. Listen, and he's getting a little... A little louder, a little more intense. He says, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Now that is a huge statement. This is enormous. Paul is saying there, is, there, there was one path. God got it started with the temple model according to the Jewish faith, one path. He provided that for the Israelites. Let, 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 me, let me give give you an example. So he says, one path. So we're just going to make a path here. Let's just call that the highway right there, the path. He said there is one single path. And this path had a destination. It's not an eternal path that goes on forever. It stopped. And do you know where this path stopped? Paul said, this path stopped at the cross. That's where it goes. It ended right here. That's where it ended, at the cross. He said, that path ended. So that, that makes sense. So he's saying every single thing in the Old Testament, all the laws, everything the prophets had to say, they all point toward Jesus and his work on the cross. And it is at this point that things change at the cross. Now, at this point, we have now a new path. And we're just going to put a little path right there. We have a new path. At the point of the cross. It is not the same path. It has now changed. Because this path ended. We have a new path. This is what Jesus started. By following Jesus. Submitting your life to him. You, you step onto the path of the Jesus movement. This thing we talked about last week. That he called the gathering of people. The gathering of Jesus followers. It's called the church. You step onto that path. But he said you have a choice to make. You don't have to step onto that path. He's, you can stay with the temple model. So we're going to just create another path here. And we're going to give it a little, another road. At this point of the cross, you have a choice. You can take the Jesus, model, the Jesus uh, movement path or you can, you can take another path. And you know what Paul is saying? This second path. You have the choice to be on this second path. And this second path, here's what you're saying. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. But that was not enough to cleanse me. That was not enough to pay for all my sin. It was not enough. It was good what you did on the cross. But I have to finish this. I have to finish this. I have to keep 
on doing better. I have to finish it. And Jesus was like, wait, 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 wait. I finished it for you. I met the requirements of the law for you. And we say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you. But I have to do better. I have to live better. I have to stay better so that I can keep what you did. Jesus, you got me started, but now it's up to me to hang on to it, to keep it. And Jesus said, wait, wait, wait a minute. I died, I died so that I could end this temple model. It pointed and came to me and it ended right there with me. I died to end that. It is not up to you. It's not up to you to keep it. It's not up to you to get it. It's not up to you to deserve it. I finished it for you. So there's two paths. There's this path, which is Christ alone. And then there's this path, which is absolutely everything else. Everything else. On this path, we're saying, it's up to me. I mean, I've got to earn it. I've got to keep trying to do better. I've got to take what Jesus did and I've got to mix into it my good. New decisions, new behavior, my good. I've got to mix that in with what Jesus did so that I can keep it. Interesting. The problem is that is not the Jesus movement. That is this path. And notice with me for a moment. The Old Testament temple model path ended here at the cross. If you go through the cross, you submit your life to Jesus in Him alone. You're on this path. This path, this path is moving away from the cross. You're still on the temple model, but no longer does the temple model point to the cross. From this point on, the temple model, if you stay on it, it's moving away from the cross, away from Jesus, away from grace. Because here, it's all up to you. If you're going to make it into heaven, it is up to you. Let me give you an example. So, if I were to give you a gift, I'm like, friend, it's for you. It's not your birthday, it's not Christmas, it's just for you. So you open the gift... And inside there, look, oh, it's, it's a watch. Harley, that is so nice of you to give me a watch. You're looking at the watch, you're like, wow, that looks like a nice watch. I like that watch. Man, that must have set you back, Harley. Maybe what, a couple hundred dollars? I don't deserve that. I don't deserve that watch. I, 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 I love it. Thank you for it. But man, $200, I, I tell you what, Harley, why, why don't... Why don't you? That's that's too much for me. Why don't you let me give you a hundred dollars for the watch? I, that's just too much. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's a gift. It's for you, Harley. I I just feel bad. Seventy five. Would you let me give you seventy five dollars? No. It's it's for you. And you're relentless. You won't stop. You're like Harley. Fifty dollars. Will you let me say? Okay, okay, okay. Fifty dollars. Okay, fifty dollars. At that point. When you give me $50 for this gift watch, it is no longer a gift. No longer a gift. This is no longer a gift to you, a gift watch. It is now a discount watch. You just bought a $200 watch for $50. It's a bargain, right? It's a discount watch. It is no longer a gift. 
Now, this is what Paul is saying. By definition, this can't be a gift. You have just purchased it. You have just earned it. You have bought it. Even though it was at a discount, you bought it. Paul is saying, you have to decide. Do you want the gift that Jesus is offering through the cross and take that path? Or, or do you want a discount? I mean, thank you for what you've done, but I'm going to take care of the rest. Do you want discount salvation or do you want the gift of salvation? Now, this is important because here you have to work for it. And here you have to earn it. Here you have to deserve it. This is important. If you take this path, the temple path, you have to work Earn and deserve it. And Paul goes on to describe this in verse 3. He says, I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. He's saying you can't just take part of it. If you choose the temple model path, you have to meet the whole model. You have to keep all of the law. And if you do this, if you take this path, you are walking away from grace, away from Jesus. You're turning and saying, I will do this on my own. And you walk away from the cross. You walk away from Jesus. You walk away from grace. And this is important. You are saying, Jesus, thank you for what you did, but I'm going to make sure that I, I get to heaven. I'm going to make sure that I do it. This is up to me to lock it in. You got me a good start. I'll take it from here. Now listen, here's what that means. You are walking away from grace, away from Jesus, away from the cross, and you can choose this path. It is available for you to choose. Jesus will not force you to take this path. It's available. And here's the deal. Let me give you a hint. This is why Jesus came in the first place. Because you will never make it on this path. It is impossible you have already failed. You will never make it to Jesus, make it to heaven, make it to God on the temple model path. Mixing the old temple model with the new movement that Jesus started, it does not work. This is that path. It does not work. Paul goes on. For if you are trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law. And then he has a play on words here with the whole circumcision thing. He says, you have been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. You are cutting yourself off from Christ. You are moving, walking away from Christ and away from grace. If that's what you're trying to do, if you're trying to earn it. Wow, that's huge. When you take the discount salvation route instead of God's free gift of salvation route, it's like you're cutting Jesus out of the equation. You're saying, hey, thanks. Thanks for what you did, Jesus. I am grateful. I appreciate it. I, I, I only needed a little bit of it. I've got it from here. I'll take it from here. Thanks for what you did, but I'm going to add to it. I, I'm going to add to it some good stuff that I'm going to do because what you did is not enough. 
Jesus, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can handle this for me. I, I mean, Jesus, what happens if I were to be on your path and I take the free gift? What happens when I blow it? What happens when I mess up really big? Am I going to lose my salvation? I can't trust you to keep it. So I'm going to come down to this path. I thank you for what you did, but I'm going to choose to work and earn and do better, act better, live better, be better. I'm going to act right, I'm going to speak right, I'm going to go to church right, I'm going to give right so that I can keep it, earn it, deserve it. Oh my word, oops, oh I can't believe I just got wasted, I went home with that person. So I'm going to go to church this Sunday, I'll be there this Sunday, you can mark my words because i got to make up for what I did. Oh my goodness. I got wasted again. And this time, I don't even know what I did. So when I get home, I'm going to read an hour out of the Bible so I can make it. In fact, I may read every night this week out of the Bible so I can make up for that. I got to keep that. Jesus, you got me started, but I got to keep it. So I'm going to work to earn it and deserve it and to keep it. Wow. You see what we're saying to Jesus? Paul is relentless, though. He goes on. Verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Paul is saying all of these things that you're trying to do, all of these things, even those things that are really good, and maybe you should do them, but if you're doing them to earn it, to keep it, he says, it is of no value to your salvation. It is of no value to keeping your salvation. No, no, absolutely no value. Paul is saying you could memorize every single law in the Old Testament and all of the words of the prophets... You could participate in every single Jewish sacrifice and keep and celebrate every single Jewish holiday and festival. But none of that has any value anymore. None of that counts. It ended right here. You can still do it, but it doesn't count. Paul is saying... It all ended right here. Jesus finished it right here. He finished that work right here. The temple model ended. It was over. No more value in that. Now, it's the Jesus movement. So, do you want to know what matters in the Jesus movement? Because there are things that do matter. Do you want to know what matters? If this is what used to matter, and at the cross it ended, so what matters now? Paul is going to tell us. Paul tells us right here, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul is saying all of the commands in the Old Testament, all of the prophets, everything there, it all boils down to this one thing, love God. And you show God how much you love Him by loving the people around you. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And I could just imagine as Paul is talking to people that they would be saying, wait, 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 wait a minute, Paul, wait, 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 wait. You mean, what you're, what you're saying is, you mean... The only thing that counts is loving other people and keeping the 300 laws of Moses, right? Is that what you're saying, Paul? No. No. 
The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Okay, wait a minute, Paul. Okay, okay, okay. So it's got to be at least loving other people and keeping the Ten Commandments. Gotcha. I can do that, Paul. I'll do that. No. He would say, no. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Okay, okay, okay. So what you're saying, Paul, is that it's loving others and then me making the right decisions during the day. Me, me living right, uh, making God proud of me, right? That's what counts. No. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Paul is saying, you see, when Jesus did away with the temple model, he started something completely new. Now, instead of looking at the law, he said, the entire law can be summarized, the entire Ten Commandments can be summarized, all summarized by this. Love God and show your love for God by loving the people around you. This is the Jesus movement. It's not a building. It's not a high, holy man. It's not, it's not you as part of... It, it, it's, it's through you. Not in what you're doing. It's in through you as part of this... This Jesus movement, this gathering of people called the church, it is you loving the people around you. That is the Jesus movement. That is the church. Now think with me for a moment, an outsider looking at that. What is so offensive about that? Nothing. You see, if you are among those who were hurt by a church, in fact, some of you possibly right now listening on Facebook Live, you have been hurt, and the reason you're not here, perhaps, could be, I'm not saying you, but some, the reason you're not here is because you have been hurt by this thing called a church. What hurts you? And some of you in this room this morning, what hurt you? Some of you have been hurt by a church. What hurt you? Did they love you too much? Because that's what they were called to do. That's what they were supposed to do. Is that what repelled you? What repulsed you about the church? Their love? No. It's because they were not loving towards you. They did something. They said something that was not loving and it hurts you deeply or it hurt, it hurt someone that was important to you. Maybe somebody in your family got pregnant before they were married and maybe the church didn't want you there any longer. Or maybe they were saying, well, what we have to... Do that. What, what message would we be sending to our little girls? We have to. We don't have a choice. Maybe, maybe they didn't give you a baby shower because they said, well, we can't. That would be celebrating sin. We can't do that. And it hurt. Maybe, maybe you have a child or a family member that came out of the closet as lesbian, gay, or bisexual, or transsexual. And maybe your family was shunned and talked about. Maybe you have someone in your family or you yourself struggling with an addiction and someone came up to, and, and told you that you would not be struggling with addiction if you were really saved. Perhaps you got a divorce and the church chose a side and it was not yours. Or maybe they just simply distanced themselves from you and awkwardly squeezed you out. I really think that this verse summarizes the very reason why someone might be repulsed by church. 
When a church is taking the old ways, the old laws, the old temple model, and they begin to blend it in with the Jesus movement, and it simply does not work. Paul said, the only thing that matters after you become a follower of Jesus, after you submit to Him, the only thing that matters, the only thing, when you join a gathering of believers called the church, the only thing that matters is how you are loving that person beside you. And that person... And that person and all of those people, that's the only thing that matters. And Paul is relentless here. He goes on, verse 7. You were running a good race. And again, the play on words. Who cut in? Who cut in? And he says, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying God? You were doing so well, he's saying. You were doing so well. We got the church started, this gathering of believers and you were following Jesus, you were loving the people around you, you were loving God, why did you try to take some of the temple model and blend it in with this completely different thing? It doesn't mix, it doesn't blend. Why? And then he answers the question, who did it? Well, it's certainly, in verse 8, it certainly isn't God, because He's the one who called you to freedom. He's the one who took you out of the temple model. You see, the temple model sounds religious. The temple model sounds holy, and it looks holy, and it looks religious. But God is saying, that is not the path to me any longer. It ended right here. Now, Paul describes at this point why you can't take 50% of the temple model and 50% of the Jesus movement and blend them together. He even describes why you can't take 99% of the Jesus model and just one tiny little 1% of the temple model and blend those together. And here's how he does that. Verse 9. This false teaching, Paul says, is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Now that doesn't really speak much to us. I mean, we understand it, but they knew exactly what he was talking about. And the, and the deep, deep meaning of this, and the intense meaning of this, what he is saying is this. It only takes a single cell. Have you ever seen yeast? A yeast? Can you find just one yeast? If you just take a yeast and he said, put it in the batch of dough, this giant batch of dough, 99% dough, one little tiny, tiny percent yeast, put it in. And it doesn't stay that way. The yeast grows and moves through the whole thing and takes over. And soon it becomes 99% temple model. And one tiny t percent Jesus movement. He says it doesn't work. And now Paul gets so angry for people combining the temple model with the Jesus movement, it gets R-rated. So if you've got any little ones here, put on the earmuffs. Verse 12. As for those agitators... I wish they would go ahead, go the whole way, and emasculate themselves. He's saying, while these guys are cutting away and snippity-snip, knife here, knife there, I just wish they would slip and cut theirs all the way off. That's what it says. Shocking, right? I mean, that's how intense... Paul is about this. Awkward, right? I mean, we're teaching Scripture here. I bet you didn't know that was in there. I bet you never saw it before. But that's how serious Paul is. That's how he, much he, he knows that you cannot blend these together. Paul is intense. Verse 13, he says, 
For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your what? Your freedom. To do what? To serve one another. How? In love. Why? Because the only thing that matters is your faith expressing itself in love. And Paul is saying, don't, don't use your freedom to serve yourself, to continue to try to earn your salvation, or to continue to try to keep your salvation. Don't use it on yourself. Use your freedom. You have freedom here. This is moving away from freedom and grace. Use your freedom to serve the people around you, to love the people around you. You see, you couldn't be good enough to earn your salvation. You will never be good enough to keep it. And then Paul says this in verse 14, and we end with this verse. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said the entire law can be summed up by this one single phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. When you are walking around your town, your community, your neighborhood, your Walmart, your store, your anything, and you're not quite sure how to interact with that person, you ask this question, what would love require me to do? And then you do that. That's what you do. When you cross paths with a person, no matter what their sin is, no matter what their struggle is, you ask, what would love require of me in this moment? And you do that. Let me just ask. You see, some people use the excuse. They say, well, if I love them, if I'm kind, if I, if I bring them into my life, if I, it, it's me condoning. What would other people say if, I, if I'm condoning what they're doing, how they're living, the decisions they're making? And I just want to say, that's a bunch of crap. Here's why. When Jesus chose to love you, when Jesus chose to love me, was he condoning and loving my sin and the choices I have made in my life that were destructive? No. What was he doing? He was loving me, the sinner. And when Jesus loved you, he's loving you. That is the Jesus movement as stated by Jesus. You can't blend the law with following Jesus. It doesn't work. They are different. They can never blend. This is a new thing. It was not an improvement to the law. It was new. And in this moment, Paul straightened them out. And this new thing called the church, this Jesus movement, started pretty good. And it went really well for about 300 years as they did this one thing. Expressed their faith through love. And then slowly, just a little bit of the old temple model got mixed back in. Just a little bit. And it was 99% Jesus, 1% temple model. But then Paul knew what would happen. It would become 99% temple model, 1% Jesus. 
And eventually that did happen. And I believe that is why the church became, in America, so repulsive. We are not repulsive because we have loved others too much. We are repulsive because we have held our version of the rules above people. And we have claimed holiness for ourselves. And we have elevated our own personal holiness. And we have declared those on the outside as hopeless barbarians. And you say, okay. Okay, Harley, what does that mean for me today? And I simply tell you this, all of that to say this. Maybe we can be the generation that begins to rid ourselves of the temple model. As we follow Jesus instead. Maybe we can once again, instead of being a church that repulses other people, maybe we can begin once again to become irresistible. I ask you, let's paint this place, this gathering, this gathering of Jesus' followers called the church. Let's paint this place, this place with love this week ask this question when you don't know what to do what to say when you're with a person ask this question what would love require me to do and then do that let's follow Jesus by loving other people this week, and then let's meet back here again next week and dig a little deeper. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you have provided us this space over on Park Avenue. Thank you that you have given us that place to gather and to study your word and to learn how to love you and how to love others better. But God, we at Stuttgart Harvest Church have never been about a place. God, we have always been about the people who are not here. And loving them towards a relationship with you. And help us this week as we do that. God, give us the wisdom as we do work diligently to make that space over there available. As we, as we make that space attractive, as we make it useful for pointing our friends and our family towards you. But Father, help us to paint our very lives with your love so that we can say with our lives and our actions, all that matters is this, expressing our faith through loving others in the name of Jesus, our Messiah, who loved us first. Amen.